So it's kind of one of those things like when the world is is in a flurry of shit, the shit storm gets to dictate the way it looks. And since you can't look through the shit storm, it's kind of whatever it is that's in front of you. Um, and I mean it because when, when we go to the conversation of vaccines, it's already hyper politicized. It's already hyper. Um, I honestly believe it's violence and it's 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 force of violence because of the perspective of, well, just let them die. Um, you know, Jimmy Kimmel went on live television and said, you know, if somebody's sick, you know, fuck them if they're not vaccinated, essentially. Um, and I go, you know, there's a lot more illnesses than COVID right now, but the world would make you think that COVID is this hyper virulent thing that will definitely kill you. And even in that perspective, it's false. Right. But the, 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 the validation has to be that because of the actions taken. So we go right back to shitty leadership, right? Just like this gentleman who's in the brig now, you know, uh, if any individual contests this, this is the treatment you get. And Facebook will shut you down, shut you off. Um, Instagram, same shit. YouTube, same shit. All right. We're back again with Joey Martinez for the one year anniversary podcast. We go off the chain in this one. We talk about Colonel Scheller. We talk about vaccines we kind of go around the whole gambit and as ever joey is the perfect person to talk about this with we have done 51 episodes yeah i know 52 per year but 51 episodes are done we didn't have one last week because i either had a super bad sinus infection or covid i'll know as soon as i get my antibody test results back let alone fact, in the UK and in France, sneezing is one of the primary symptoms. Not so much in the US. It's not even in the top 20 listed symptoms. So almost two years into a worldwide pandemic, we can't even figure out what symptoms are what. But on that note, you guys, I just want to share that little bit of a reason why we didn't have a podcast last week. I apologize for that. But I look forward to doing more and more podcasts with you, some more solo casts, some more guests. We'll work this shit out. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of After the Battle Campfire. All right, you guys hear it all the time. The typical, if you like this episode, please rate us, subscribe to us, leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify or wherever. Well, it really does make a difference for this podcast. We're small, we're trying to get bigger, and all of this feeds the algorithm so that iTunes or Spotify or Pandora, wherever you find us at, will rate us higher and higher with the more likes and comments that you guys leave. And always, if you guys find value in these episodes, please leave us a comment on the episode or on the show uh, page. And the best way to help us is to share it off. So again, thank you. And we will talk to you soon. All right. I'm back with Joey Martinez again. And Joey... Hopefully this one will either come out tomorrow or in a couple weeks when we hit the one year anniversary. I just checked. First podcast was released on October 11th, 2020. And guess who the first guest was? Who? You. Me? Yes, you. So nice. I wanted to have you back for some reason. I thought it was at the end of um, September when it was released. No big deal. 
But I did want to check in with you on a few things. Um, you're still out there in California. You're still out there in the middle of nowhere, California, which is good. Yeah. Uh, are you following at all this lieutenant colonel from the Marines? I was just about to watch a video about that, actually. Um, I did hear about it this morning, like on some kind of news feed. And then because uh, we were up walking the dogs, they got the shits. So much fun. <laughs> um, and then I was about to literally click it like uh, when I started my coffee, but then we had that nutritionist thing. So I wasn't able to. But what I've heard is he's got arrested. And is in the brig. Yep. Ooh, pills. They uh, they tossed him in pre-confinement. Uh, what is it? Pre pre-confinement detention. <laughs> yeah, pre-confinement. Because because he violated a gag order on talking about his case. Yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't allow the the Marine Corps to gag him with the green weenie, so. They were like, we don't like it when you don't let us gag you. So you go to jail. And I think it's funny that they had him do a mandatory, like, psychopathy test or whatever they try to, like, frame him up to be. And I'm like, so doing the right thing and, like, you know, talking about it, being honest, makes you a crazy person. I go, yeah, nowadays. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Look, that's look where we're at. That is super accurate. So I hate it too because now people consider the Mach E Ford whatever uh, EV car to be a SUV. And I'm like, no, it's a tall car, hatchback. And it's the same thing. The world's go the world is going to shit the moment they consider a hatchback an SUV. Well, I get it. Hatchbacks can be SUVs, but like that one, no. Hey, like, hey, I drive an Outback. And that yeah, thing, but that's Outback. See, that's, but that thing is an off-road beast. I asked right? my buddy Joe, hey, Joe, if you're listening to this, how's your Ford F-150 deal with the uh, mud on the ranch? <gasps> Oops, you got stuck. I didn't. Yeah, Ford F-150s always get stuck. Same thing with Chevys. That's why you need a ramp. Well, isn't Ford uh, short for found on roadside dead? Yeah. It's kind of sad. I can't think of a single thing for Chevy, though. Um, they found my Chevy on my levee because the levee was dry. So I don't know if that was a bad thing or a good thing. But, Joey, so... <laughs> I mean, if they found your Chevy in a levee and the levee was dry, that means you drove it into the levee when it wasn't dry. That's or true. you were going off-roading in the levee, which does happen at river places. That is true. So. Do you know how to define a levee? Anything that retains waters. The things that didn't work during Hurricane Katrina, um, what is fraudulent money waste by the mayor of Katrina peoples? Oh. Is this Jeopardy? Yes, it is. <laughs> this is why I love having you on, man. We, we get so irrelevant and so irreverent. So, um, yeah. It's like relevant, relevant irreverence. It so is. it's like, like you, we're talking about this guy that's getting bent over the green log, I mean, honestly. It is. And his career's over, and he's going to face jail time for literally doing what we instill in Marines. So it's all, here's the, the worst part. It's like when I left the military, I already had a sense of 
what was happening, the trend uh, or direction of the Navy. And it was, it was very hardcore. Uh, I don't like the word wokeness because to be woke and you care about others and being empathetic, you know, all that shit, that's good. But when you value that over, you know, genuine leadership qualities, or if you value that over uh, accountability and responsibility, then you're going in the wrong direction. Like, like for this guy, you know, he said, he said what he said and he felt what he felt. But everybody was like, oh, but you're the problem because you spoke out. And I'm like, see, so you're validating what everybody can see you're doing, which is fucking up, right? And and then, you know, we have new admirals and ship generals uh, vying for positions on boards and uh, committees and groups, etc. So they don't mind tossing ensigns and lieutenant commanders, commanders, even captains to the fodder. They don't mind that. That's their tactic. That's the reason why, you know, when 14 of their Marines died, they were like, cool, can I get a star for evacuating of like uh, 300 people when it should have been 3,000? Yes, of course, General. And could I not get in trouble for calling China or and telling them that our president's losing his mind? So watch out. We might have some nukes coming at you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, of course. Of course that's okay, General. Of course, of course. But if I call somebody and say, hey, I'm coming home, I didn't give a date, I didn't give a time, I didn't say shit else, they'd be like, oh, well, you're, you're leaking confined information, uh, confidential, uh, top secret FBI, your uh, clearance is going to be removed. Well, did you hear about the guy, and um, not to be all political because it's Trump, but the guy that Trump pardoned, the sailor who took a picture on board a nuclear submarine, in a secure space that showed nothing except for him and some background shit, no, nothing identifiable. But yet, that kid got sentenced to like ten years in jail, and then Trump ended up pardoning him. That's tight. So I don't know. I e, mean, like an e nothing goes to jail. Yeah. But when you accidentally murder a family of ten uh, via drone strike, nothing's gonna happen to you. And even then, the CIA came out and even said, yo, we said that's bad information. Mind you, the CIA technically can't even tell people what they were saying to anybody at all, ever. They straight up was like, not us, not us. <laughs> remember, remember, the CIA stands for can't intel anyone. Right? I'm going to pass that. that. Do it, because the funniest thing is like, like, I like watching shows like Jack Ryan. You know, it's like a cool show. It's completely off base to probably what truth is and how things go. But the funniest thing was when the old guy uh, was in Russia and he's like trying to still be, you know, a cool spy walking around, dropping packages off, you know, get dropped in the middle of the night, deep through, operation deep through, right? All that shit. He has a deep voice, by the way. Um, he passes out because he has a heart condition and the young Russian spies that he fucked over by calling the cops, not calling the cops, but having the cops intervene. Uh, they were like, you went too far, man. We know who you are. Come on, don't do that. That's not cool. And then they help his ass because he passes out, almost dies. And I was like, see, that seems a little bit more realistic. Like everybody kind of knows who the players are and they all go to galas and everybody kind of probably knows who it is. And they probably are friendly with each other. And, uh, you know, even like silly movies like uh, Fall right now. I think it was 
Uh, Resort to Love with Christina Milian. Me and the wife just watched it. It's pretty cute. They had this character uh, who's like special operations guy. He made a joke. He goes, yeah, we're just muscle for those spies because she was calling him a spy. And I go, yeah, like the job isn't to, you know, let people know who you are, what you do. And my, my biggest thing is like if an agency that's that secretive about every goddamn thing comes out on what you're saying, you, they told you on national television about 10 people being killed by a bad strike. I'm pretty sure there was some bad communication in that. <laughs> yeah, thank if you. they're distancing themselves so like openly, there's probably going to be some bad news, but it's probably going to be to the guy, you know, the ensign that actually pushed the button or the aviation commander that authorized the strike at the moment, but not the intel and not where they were and all the bullshit that they go through with drone strikes. Like they sometimes they don't even let the pilot do shit until they're on target. I don't know. Well, I remember movies based stuff. I remember talking to someone in Iraq saying that like they, you couldn't uh, do artillery, you know, call for fire or any of that shit until you had um, legal authorization on a lot of uh, the higher value stuff. Hell us, we pulled over people all the time. And when I say pull over people, I mean, we found people who were suspicious. One of the guys I treated had battery acid burns all over his hands. Do you remember uh, MSR Mobile out of Fallujah, the main highway that went uh, all the way up to uh, to Syria from Baghdad? It looked like the 405. The east to western route? Yeah. It kind of looked like the 405 was a fairly modern highway. Yeah. And it had the center lane or the center... Uh, Dividers that was all grass and shit. Yeah. This guy was walking in the middle of that with battery acid burns all over his hands. We gank him and we're told by hire, let him go. You don't have any evidence he did anything. Well, I mean, technically. <laughs> A male of fighting age with battery acid burns all over his hands. You know, you're right. I honestly he, he feel was... this is a higher ups not wanting to deal with the paperwork. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like one, how are we gonna bio ID this guy? We can't read his fingerprints. He got battery acid on him. You know, like. <laughs> but no, it's it's a trip. Like I think it's really shitty that the Marine Corps is going the path that the Navy did. Um, I don't think it's just that... the Marine Corps. I think it's the entire military it's, it's is all of, it's the government in general yeah all right and i mean it like i like the fact that we're hyper aware of individuals plights circumstances um niche groups identities etc political agendas political affiliations i'm glad that that's in the military now and that it's uh, a subjective part of people's lives within the military but we got to keep in mind that the objective part is to be a fighting force. Yeah. Right. And when you're not uh, capable of having a force that one understands hierarchical, hierarchical approaches, right? So chain command, which this individual guy, I don't remember his name, but the, the, the officer guy, right? He didn't maybe not follow the right way. Right. Right. And that's really what they're getting them on. So in, in the perspectives or optics of it, it looks like, 
Well, he came out and he wanted this, you know, accountability. And I agree with that. What I don't agree with is when you take things out of the line, you're setting yourself up to be a target. And you're taking the attention off of what needs to be focused on, what is shitty leadership, and everybody will agree. And you're putting it on to you while you made this mistake now, so we get to point the finger at you. And leadership right now is so quick to do that. Instead of, oh, yeah, you know, we did make mistakes. Mistakes were made. Blah, 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 blah. This is where we can improve. They do literally what they tell the lowers not to do, which is sidestep your responsibility and accountability. Yeah. So then by the end of it, like, I honestly don't think anybody's going to even remember what the problem is. They're going to watch this individual and go, wow, he's really getting fucked. And it's going to become one of those talking points instead of the, well, how do we get the higher ups to actually be held accountable for their poor decision making or piss poor planning? And then when the line really goes all the way up straight to the president, you know, we got to keep in mind that that isn't going to go anywhere um, because, again, it's a political game, not a, an actual game. So I hate to say it, but like Afghanistan in and of itself was never a war. It was a conflict resolution PR scheme. Um, and I mean it to the soul, the same thing with Iraq. And I know that a lot of people who romanticize their beliefs in um, what the military stood for or stands for to their perspective, I feel that they fail to see the actual um, utilization of our military forces in application. So it's kind of like police officers. They get a bad rap. We all know they get a bad rap, okay? Uh, uh, ever since Ice-T's song, you know, Fuck the Police came out, everyone was like, yeah, fuck them, right? And I mean, it's it like... But at the same time, it's like you don't want to fuck the police because you don't want to mess with police. You don't want police involved in your life. Even when you have problems, the first thing people say that deal with police is don't call the fucking cops, right? The main reason why is not that they're bad. It's not that they're good. They're just the way that they are applied in society isn't on the behalf of the individual or the citizen that may or may not need assistance. You know, how many veterans have been killed by suicide by a cop or just by a cop? you know, for doing either nothing or something, uh, the perspective on it could be anything. And then the, the, the contrast is having the conversation, well, some cops are veterans. And I'm like, yeah, and some Nazis were Jews. So it doesn't fit a bill. There isn't something that's going to fit. And especially when we talk about the dynamics of today's world, you know, what happened after the George Floyd stuff, um, it really paints authority in a negative light. So now they have to play their PR scheme and they have to adjust to this reality that's being uh, created prospectively. Because honestly, cops are great. Most of them are genuinely kind-hearted people that want to do good in society. Is that 100% of them? No, just like in the military. You're not going to get 100% of them willing to die, okay? You're not going to get 100% of them willing to kill people. Um, that's the reason why we have positions in the military. A grunt? Yeah, they'll fucking kill you. And then they'll they'll sing songs about it. Okay? Like, <laughs> 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 <I'll be> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, certain parts of the true. military. <laughs> that's what they're designed to do. <clears throat> and then, you know, you take that piece of the military back into society and you shove them into like a, a goddamn car rental store, you know, and, and they're still singing songs like, yeah, you know, I love dropping bodies, bodies to the floor. Boop, boop. Yeah, girl, get it, get it, get it, whatever they're into. I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like I have to like just make up a song instead of actually using one. But yeah, YouTube makes censors because you sung a song. Yeah, but that's the point. It's like it's hard to convey reality because there's bubbles. You have this, everybody in society has a bubble. Um, there's the comfort zones of societal normatives, uh, and so to take it back to that guy, you know, the societal normative isn't you get a shit on generals <laughs> and, and things change. Um, you know, the societal normative isn't, Hey, you get to actually be truthful and things work the right way because there's just too many bureaucratic implementations to fuck you in your ass to keep your mouth shut. Um, well, quite what... literally, especially in the military, because no matter what you do, if somebody doesn't like it and they're higher in the chain, there's that catch 22 clause on anything. Like, oh, you looked at me wrong, or it was, a, it was skewed as disrespect. Bah. Well, like that. You know, the, um, like, but the, the problem that that, that that colonel did was we all know it. It's beaten into our heads about not making political statements in uniform. And I think it would have been taken a lot differently. The first video where he was in uniform, I get it, but he's done like four of them now, three of which were in uniform. It's kind of like, hey, now you're poking the bear a little bit. You know better. Yeah. He, because I mean, because he, he was to. already established as yeah. a lieutenant colonel of ITB East. He didn't need to come back in uniform every single time. Because that, you know, you know, the UCMJ as well as I do there. What is it? Article 93. Uh, you're an idiot. So we're going to charge you anyways. Type. Deal. Yeah. There's just catch 22s on every angle on it because that's the way it's engineered. Like, take it, take it for an instant. Like, um, let's say your guy with battery acid, right? Let's say he legitimately somehow just fucked up and got battery acid on his hands right and there's nothing wrong with him let's say let's just paint a completely positive soft picture he's a preschool teacher of young girls in the area and you know does his islamic procedures every day on the carpet i don't know what that's called sorry guys but praying. prayers and shit huh it's called praying yeah prayer there you go <laughs> uh I'm, I'm practicing uh uh, you know, he's a good guy. And then he goes to help somebody named Susan, you know, the only Susan in fucking Iraq. And and then the battery just pops. And he's like, fuck. And he decides walking in a highway is like the best decision in his life right now. And then there you are, you know, assuming things more than likely rational, specifically with your perspective, right? And he's like, ah, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Right, and like, oh my God, there's a battery, and the interpreter's looking at you, and you're looking at the interpreter, and everybody's like, yo, this guy is either full of shit, or this is just one of those real one-off things. And I go, so that's kind of where we're at. It's either he's full of shit, or it's one of those one-off things. And I think that when it's the one-off thing, people's perspectives seem to be bound to what is regularly occurring. Um, 
So yeah, it's kind of a tough point. It's like cops too. You bring it back. Well, if I normally see, and here's the bad part about policing, if I normally see in this neighborhood these demographics doing these things, right? Uh, and if I see something that looks like that thing, sounds like that thing, smells like that thing, tastes like that thing, then more than likely it's that thing. So it's kind of like the world is honestly nothing more than perspectives of whatever experience you, the individuals are having, you know, like, um, but honestly, I bring it back to abortion. People go, well, abortion's a never thing. It's a no thing. It's a life choice. It's a that. And I go, well, honestly, it's just a thing. It's a thing that people create. They politicize. They say it's this when it's that. They say it's this when it's that or that when it's this. Um, I don't have any reason to give a fuck, to be honest, either way. And that's where I leave it. But other people may take it as the perspective of here's the Antichrist. And, oh, my Lord Jesus, they're, you know, uh, uh, sacrificing babies at the altar. Like, I mean, I get it. Like, that may, you may feel that way. You may look at that circumstance, see what's happening, and go, that's what's happening. Yeah. And it's based off of a perspective. But we don't know the individual circumstances of each person trying to get that thing done or getting that thing. And it could be anything. It'd be getting a gun right now. Oh, my God. It's so bastardized in California that if you get a gun, uh, CCW, and you work with law enforcement, you still have to do interviews, psych tests, safety screenings, all this stuff. Seriously? And I go, yes. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, that's good. Can we do that same thing with anything and everything that may cost a human life, right? But the moment you say to include abortions, then the perspective is, oh, you're a misogynist. Oh, you want to give in to the patriarchy. And I'm like, well, no, I'm just trying to build a logical sense of transcendental uh, perspective, right? If this thing is definitely going to kill a baby, is the, well, first, is, is, the, is the, the, the fetus, is it viable, right? Uh, yep, okay. So now we have to look at, well, is the individual prepared? Uh, no. Okay, well, are they willing to do adoption? No, they don't even want to carry to full term. Well, my body, my choice. Okay, bye, baby. You know, and so at the same token, I'm like, well, why not take that same concept? Well, here's the same woman now who had her abortion because she was raped, wants to buy a gun. Oh, fuck. Now we're throwing curveballs to people on each side. <laughs> and she's now lesbian because the event. Oh, here we go. Okay, she wants to buy a pistol to protect herself and her now uh, lesbian spouse, who's a transgender, who identifies as a woman, wants to buy pistols to protect themselves from rape. Uh, I would say, fuck yeah, do it. But she's also diagnosed from PTSD from the raping that did occur. So, I mean, do you see how complicated the real world gets immediately? So it's hard to say this blanket statement, this rule is, is absolute. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like that's what's going on with this gentleman and a lot of different things in the United States and around the world where there's just a, well, if it's this, it has to be that. Or if it's this, it, that has to be this. When in actuality, there's so many different uh, approaches to understanding the importance of individual decision making just off of that little tiny case study of, well, both abortion uh, wokeness and uh, protection rights on both levels. Well, let's jump to this. So I find it interesting. I had a 
on my walk this morning, I had this realization that, long story short, the word anti in front of anything makes the world a whole worse place. Um, yeah. You could do nothing racist, but if you're not anti-racist, you might as well be racist. And what bugs me right now is there is no vaccine hesitant. It's only you're vaccinated or you're anti-vaxxed. Yeah. I, and I was like, wait, I know so many people that are vaccine hesitant because they want, you know, Corman and other military people that I've met, medics, doctor. I even know doctors who are like, I just want more data. It, it's far too early. We're seeing a bunch of breakthrough cases. I'm young. I'm healthy. I don't have a need for this. But, and oh yeah, by the way, I have taken every vaccine possible except for this one. Now they're being labeled, they're anti-vax. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things like when the world is, is in a flurry of shit, the shit storm gets to dictate the way it looks. And since you can't look through the shit storm, it's kind of whatever it is that's in front of you. Um, and I mean it because when, when we go to the conversation of vaccines, it's already hyper-politicized. It's already hyper, um, I honestly believe it's violence and it's, it's, it's force of violence because of the perspective of, well, just let them die. Um, you know, Jimmy Kimmel went on live television and said, you know, if somebody's sick, you know, fuck them if they're not vaccinated, essentially. Um, and I go, you know, there's a lot more illnesses than COVID right now, but the world would make you think that COVID is this hyper virulent thing that will definitely kill you. And even in that perspective, it's false. Right. But the, 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 the validation has to be that because of the actions taken. So we go right back to shitty leadership, right? Just like this gentleman who's in the brig now, you know, uh, if any individual contests this, this is the treatment you get. And Facebook will shut you down, shut you off. Um, Instagram, same shit. YouTube, same shit. The conversation can't even be, well, what is this in actually? And instead of having those theories tested, they become questioned. And then it becomes ad hominem and not ad uh, whatever hawk post dominum or the you know all the bullshit rationalities of attacking the person instead of the issue or the uh, talking point. So instead of looking at well you know hey there is an increase of X whatever it may be on buyers or it's not reported like Project Veritas I don't know people validate it and say this is real stuff and they're 100% accurate blah 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 blah. They're still in the industry of journalism, okay? So they may turn something too fast and they may turn something too slow depending on what agenda they have. Same thing with CNN and everybody else, right? Well, studies are coming out of Israel or Jerusalem, same people, same place, uh, about how COVID Delta variants are extremely um, passive of the vaccine. And you sent me the paper and I was reviewing it and I was looking at all the receptors and it was a very good constructive uh, paper to say, hey, we got to look at this. Uh, nothing more. It's oh, not yeah, you know, dissing the... on anything. It's not saying anything else bad. It's not saying, oh, there's a conspiracy. No, it's valid scientific 
uh, paperwork. It's you're, just, you're, you're talking about the one I sent you yesterday that uh, yeah. looked like it touched on uh, antibody-dependent enhancements. Basically, mm -hmm. what that means is if you don't have the, the, vac the vaccine causes the virus to become stronger and stronger. Right. And we've seen that in a lot of different things. And we, we understand that in science and in the application of everything. Uh, even to include opiates. If you use opiates, you know you have to increase opiate usage because of the degradation of the receptors, et cetera, or the increased functionality of certain receptors, et cetera. So when we're talking about things like vaccines and we're not keeping in conjunction the same science that we apply, just like the same logic that we apply on everything we just discussed, right? The guy that's going to the brick, the two, the two beautiful, wonderful women who want to protect their selves, you know, et cetera. The logic has to be fine. It has to be balanced or else you're not practicing science, you're practicing politics, right? And I believe that cold-heartedly, if we look at the statistics cold-heartedly, and I mean it, like, I mean, really, really, really cold fucking hearted. That's how science is, you know? If a thousand babies died immediately because of X or one or two babies died of X, Y, then we have to put it into the document and we have to work that science. There isn't a, an exclusionary cause simply because it may look bad. Now, that is what we practice in research science nowadays because of funding. But don't, don't go down that rabbit hole because then you're a conspiracy theorist, right? And I go, okay, yet we have an opiate pandemic exactly near the same way these vaccines are being applied uh, simply because of the, the rule of thumb in salesmanship, okay? Not because of science. And sometimes not even because of politics, but because of salesmanship. Uh, we, we've got to have this solution because we have this. And that's the way it works when you go to like uh, a restaurant and the fish is about to turn bad. All of a sudden, fish is on a special, okay? And you can get it fucking uh, two for one, all right? So uh, that is where you got to start asking questions. If John usually fucks me in my ass when I try to buy a fish from him, okay? Then uh, come that next Tuesday, he's like, hey, two for one. I'm going to say, is that fish about to go bad? Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's kind of fishy. You know, there's certain things in dynamics of, well, a lot of questions, like if my fat kid has diabetes, why can't I get free insulin? Uh, but I can get a free, you know, vaccination. Well, again, you, we're playing politics, not medicine. What can I make it look like I'm doing instead of actually doing it? Well, I mean, uh, like, look at look at your previous career as a lab tech. Um, yeah. There's only a handful of labs I can think of that are either that, that are binary. Everything else is on a range. Uh, CBC. Yeah, it's it's a range from here to here. Yeah. Uh, lipids. It's a range from here to here or stay under this range. And to me, doing any of this stuff is binary. You must do A or B is yeah. not the right outcome for what we're dealing with right now. It isn't. And I mean, I deal with it constantly in medicine still to this day, like, um, like with uh, the VA and uh, PTSD treatment, uh, <coughs> things like that. Because we're so transfixed on what the solution has to be that we're not looking at what the solution could be. Um, there's a great uh, meme or meme, I don't know what to say, uh, 
about World War II pilots and, and uh, bombardiers and shit, and their airplanes came back, like, all fucked up, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And the dude was like, yeah, we need to armor up those areas that are fucked up. And then somebody's like, yo, we need, to all, we need to armor the areas that aren't fucked up because the planes that got hit there didn't make it back. And so the rationality of, of, uh, of a bias, right, a perceived bias or an anchoring bias, like this is what it is, you know, because I perceive it this way. Um, it could be a dramatic shift, but we're still looking at the same information. We're just perceiving it slightly different, right? Uh, like vaccines work. Like, of course they do. I mean, uh, you know, people bring up polio and I go, yeah, but do you see how you're not understanding the very different, very fucking fundamental difference between polio and COVID? Um, there's a there's a constraint on not just the understanding of virology, but on sickness and medicine and the application of vaccines and the application of data. Um, there's a huge misstep and miscommunication that I, I don't blame anybody, but I feel like media bias has this overwhelming presence that can construe things uh, in, in a blink of an eye, right? So like, uh, we always remember 9-11. We always talk about the Twin Towers. We hardly ever talk about Building 7. Very rare. Very fucking rare. The only people that talk about Building 7 are usually conspiracy theorists. And as soon as somebody says building something, they go, oh, this guy. Oh, it's the same thing like anti-vax. I'm a, I should have just said, I don't know about this COVID. Because then, oh, this guy. And instead of having a rational approach to it or even a conversation, like, I thought we were supposed to remember everything. Like, well, you know, uh, it's, it's funny that you brought up building seven because it took me a good two seconds as you were saying it. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah, nobody remembers seven? it. It's like, oh, but, that one. Yeah, but never forget, you know, like yeah. nobody wants to keep in mind that these firefighters that everybody's praising every fucking year for the past 20 years are getting fucked over with health insurance right now. Still, to this day, if it wasn't for Jon Stewart, a comedian, OK, not a politician, not a fucking leader, a comedian, uh, a lot of them would be bent over and raked just into the graves, bro. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, that's the actuality of even that great event that tied us to this 20-year war, uh, the, uh, the aftermath of what happened in every aspect of American life and living. Uh, a lot of people can uh, connect the dots here with COVID and be like, oh, my God, you know, this has forever changed the world. And I go, yes, except there's not even three buildings on the floor. You know, there's not even a perceivable increase of death. Um, and, I, and I say cold-hearted facts because, you know, working with the cemetery, you kind of get to the point of how to get a body in the ground, not necessarily whose body is it, because you got to be detached. You have to be affirmed in not being so emotional because you have to look at data. You have to perform a task, right? Uh, for me, I haven't seen, and, and, and again, you know, everybody has an argument, oh, well, that's that town, that's that place, that's that one. And I go, yeah, but I haven't seen an increase of death reports accumulatively at all, like period. Like I look through stuff and I go, okay, you know, people are saying like thousands of kids died of COVID and I'm like, okay, like I hate to be that guy, but can I see some bodies? Like... I'm not trying to be a dick, but I'm also trying not to be bamboozled 
because A, we're misidentifying certain things, B, we're incentivizing these things, and C, the overall like in and outtake of life isn't matching with what we're being told. Like, I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy. But like John and that fucking fish, I'm going to ask a few more questions than buying that one for two. So let me ask two you, for one. Let me ask you this because I totally forgot that uh, you do the cemetery thing. So mm. over the last couple of years, literally say since 2019, because you've been there for a while, have to play devil's advocate to the COVID paranoid people. Yeah. Have you seen uh, what was the major cause of death that went to the cemeteries prior to the pandemic? And has that been offset by COVID? No, it's so dynamic, honestly. And that's, that's the truth of a cemetery is there's so many different people dying every day. Okay. There's so many different deaths to die of, right? The funny film by uh, Seth MacFarlane, A Thousand Ways to Die in the West, right? Um, it's true. You know, there, there's remarkable deaths every day. There was a guy burying his dog, not not in my cemetery, but pretty famous guy. I guess he was an artist or a director or something. He was burying his dog, fell and died. It's accidental. You know, that comedian dude uh, that did The Whitest Kids You Know had an accident. I don't know what, the, what happened, but accident and you die. Okay, uh, the flu. People die of the flu thousands of thousands of thousands every year, and it's a tragedy. But we have flu shots, we have implementation of medical science, and it reduces those numbers. And that's essentially what we got to look at with this COVID stuff is what's the most impactful thing we can do and minimal impact societal-wise, right? Because honestly, I haven't seen an increase in a, in a cemetery. It's just always the same thing. It's either old age, an accident, or an illness like you know, that's honestly the majority of it and, and the illness isn't oh i got sick because of one thing it's usually a systemic issue that leads to that outcome uh you know cancers that affect the auto the, the auto the immune and autoimmune uh system or autoimmune deficiencies paired with cancers or multiple things like with hiv and aids a lot of people don't understand that you can kill that person with a common cold which is COVID. Um, so, I mean, it's not a minimalization of things. It's looking at it and giving its rational, logical, uh, position and saying, how concerned should I be about this thing? I do this in therapy constantly, uh, to rationalize PTSD symptoms that I feel constantly like waves of stress, constant stress, uh, panic attacks, crying, uncontrollable, trem trembling, uh, screaming, waking up from nightmares. Uh, all of these horrible symptoms of things. And, and then I have to present them to individuals, right? So how do I, A, compartmentalize the individual experiencing the emotional state as well as the severity of the symptoms and get them to articulate appropriately so that medical staff can hear these keywords and congruently provide uh, uh, either maintenance or uh, implementation of life-saving technique, right? Well... That's a complicated scenario that most people don't have the time to conversate or even think about, right? But every day when you treat a patient as a medical provider, you should never walk into the room and go, well, it's just this, it's just that, it's just this. And it's, it's keyed on to minimize not only what you do, but what your uh, patient is. And we practice to minimize because we don't wanna 
over medicate. We don't want to over therapize. We don't want to overdo it because we may cause harm. We understand that on a daily routine practice. However, when it comes to this one vaccine, we don't. It's just thrown out the window. It's not a mindset of what's rational. Is this individual participating in this? Can we save a lot of uh, immunizations and vials, et cetera, by uh, being a little bit more stringent on who gets it right now? Because there's a shortage of this one. There's a shortage of that one. Uh, even Johnson & Johnson employees are saying get Moderna. You know, like, I'm like, well, hey, that's information. We can't discredit it. You know, if somebody's saying it, let's look at it, right? We can't just say, oh, whatever. It's just conspiracy theory. Like, in science, you got to understand that conspiracy theories are still theories that should be tested logically with science and disproved with evidence. Yeah not just thrown away because it fits a political perspective, um, which in turn reverts back to laboratory days, right? If I got a, a patient presenting this, and this sample is that, and I see this, but my supervisor comes up and says, hey, we can't get a result that looks like this, right? And he's blinking and twitching and all of the Navy like, hey, right? Um, then you're starting to understand what's going on in real life right now. Because does it happen? Yes, of course it happens. Because one of the key things that the Navy and all the branches do is drug testing. So when you have uh, ranges of things, correct? Like you, you brought up earlier, everything is in a range. There's not a fixed outcome number that is at absolute. Um, there, science and laboratory sciences are extremely rare in absolutes, okay? Uh, there's constant ranges for sure as shit, and those are absolute, uh, but having a specified number, like 12, I don't even know which would work, uh, platelet level, uh, RBC count per field, uh, whatever, uh, you got 12. And, you know, people are uh, uh, A1C, uh, you're... The number 12 could be rationalized as what? It's just fucking 12. 13, I could say the number 13, and I could be talking about the 13 different components of coagulation. Without one of them, you're fucking, uh, and, uh, what is that shit called? Hemophiliac. There you go. I remembered word. Yay. And so when you have the irrational application of, I would say, unjust science, uh, and it's being skewed as, fact or gospel, you are not preaching science, you're preaching religion. It's just a different form of it. Uh, it's just like how, you know, one party versus the other. You brought it up. If I sound like I'm this type of person or a conservative, well, then the, the left side's going to pounce on anything and everything I say and discredit it instead of looking at it. And the same thing with the right. The individuals that are like uh, identify as independents, they get bashed by both sides. So you don't really get a truth of the circumstance. You get a skewed perspective of what people allow you to see. I agree. And that completely. is society. Huh? 100%. I agree completely on that. Uh, yeah. I get, I get, I hear uh, all the time. Well, if you're not conservative or you're not a dumb liberal, then you stand for nothing. It's like, no, I stand for what I believe in. But I don't know if you saw this study, speaking of your of PTSD and then COVID. 
It's from the C. This is actually from the CDC. Okay. Uh, the strongest, the strongest factors for death in COVID were obesity, fear, and anxiety-related disorders, and diabetes. Oh wow! So, one, two, and three are all. Well, I mean, for years people have stated uh, anxiety disorders such as PTSD. You have a hyperfunctioning of every autonomic and. Uh, motor system in your body and it's being pumped with cortisol and all these different uh, radicals of you know bad shit you know this is your fight or flight response literally working against you right shock is a real thing uh over time you know you can literally fucking kill yourself through just stress like science has literally proven that well and people uh, and they've showed people can die of fear like you can be scared to death to literally death. yeah we all seen blair witch hey don't rag on the Blair Witch. Hey, I'm not fucking ragging on it. That shit was crazy when we were young. It was. It scared the shit out of me. It scared everyone. That's the reason why it was a remarkable feat of film. It was like, hey, I got an idea. What? You know how we shoot porn? Yeah, let's do that for a scary movie. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that kind of what we're living in right now is fear porn? Yes. It's who can scare the, the mass. Of, oh, look at this guy. Oh. He's like, hey, don't, don't, don't be scared. I got you, I got you, I got you. Oh, you good boy. Yeah, you stink though. All right. For those okay. not watching, Joey is playing with his puppy. Yeah. Not his puppy to be confused with his other puppy. I'm touching my fur dog. But yeah, so, so no, fear is a very important thing. It lets you know when something's gonna happen. It lets you know, hey, I'm in danger. Um. But fear is also a very bad thing in certain circumstances. You know, like uh, if you're if you're afraid of heights and your job is going up high, and you have to overcome that fear. Um, that's a good thing in society. We go, wow, that's that's courage. You know, that's bravery. Uh, so fear is always going to be there. You know, people have fear of dogs. Speaking of my dog, right? But he's the most lovable animal, and he'd never do anything. Uh, and I always go back to, well, he's a dog, right? He might fuck up. Shit happens. Uh, it's the same thing with human beings. Like, I don't think... I honestly don't think that we went into this pandemic shit and the way that it's being reported now and portrayed now in society, like, this was the goal, right? I feel like this is what's resulted in everybody trying their best and then the perspective of contrasting efforts. Uh and in a society where you have contrasting efforts, you, people usually develop these uh, radical beliefs of they, theirs versus us, ours, right? And I'm not talking pronouns, you know, just to be woke, right? I'm talking pronouns in the sense of um, I have to look at a person with hostility uh, to protect or guard myself, my beliefs, etc. Society's never really been a place where it's playful, okay? Yes, you might find it closer to where your kids and your society is growing, your community, your niche groups. But if you were to move place to place, visit town to town, go to the, the, the places where everybody's afraid of, you know, like the ghetto, and, and even and then, what does the word the ghetto mean? There's no ghettos. Ghettos were built during, during fucking World War II by the Nazis, 
that literally were racked with stack homes, bunk beds, right? That's what a ghetto is. But so with the, the word ghetto has even changed and transcended through time. Now we're talking about like smaller groups of niche neighborhoods that have a specific demographic or a underwhelming uh, wealth to per capita distribution, right? Uh, but we're, we, we don't actually mean caged persons um, being utilized for scientific uh, studies because that's what they did to them, uh, which kind of maybe be happening now. Right. I don't know. Does it sound like does it sound like what I'm saying is mirroring certain aspects of small demographics being utilized for scientific propagation of ideals and concepts? Could I be saying that? Yes, absolutely. The perspective could very well mean, dude, Nazis through Operation Paperclip were sent here in the 40s. And now they determined NASA and they built our rockets and they're living on the moon. And all of a sudden they got this COVID stuff, but it's not really going to kill you. It's just going to fuck with your mind and make you think things. And I'm like, well, that's irrational. I mean, if somebody lives on the moon, good for them. Uh, you know, so can I please buy this cup of tea now, George, uh, at fucking Starbucks who loves conspiracy theories? You know what I mean? Um, but to not minimize George, to not invalidate George, to not be a dick to George, I would go, you know, maybe that kid's onto something. Let me think about it. What are we doing to people in undermined or marginalized societal demographics? Well, we're forcing this identification process, possibly, especially in New York, of validating proof of vaccination. But Joey, but all you contrast. Have, but Joey, all you have to do is just go get the shot. And then you don't have to worry about that's false information. Like since we like fact checking, right? Uh, it was just the same way that it works in the military. It starts out with um, everybody's gonna do push ups until you can't do push ups. And when somebody stops, you gotta do even more push ups. The goal isn't to accomplish, to be accomplished. The marker's always gonna be moved. And all we actually had to do, and you didn't know this, right, because you were the fucking recruit doing push-ups in boot camp, was that we have two hours to kill. So as a leader, I'm a dickhead, and I'm going to make you, one, I'm going to protect me, and I'm going to protect you by keeping you busy. So this is another concept of leadership that a lot of people don't know. I could be fucking with you to protect you just to keep you busy because I know we need two more hours to get prepared or two more hours to do this thing. Well, but, did you did you ever read the book or watch the uh, miniseries Generation Kill? No, uh, I don't think so. So besides the fact that it turned out that the sergeant major, <laughs> who was a, uh, who was I think it was first recon's battalion sergeant major, was a kid fucker. Um, towards the end, the guy had always been bitching about haircuts and shaves and all of this and. What had transpired was, at least in the miniseries, and it was in the book too, was at the end he comes over and tells the platoon sergeant, basically, here's why. Look at what's happened. Where you guys are losing your minds, you're losing your control, waiting for the plane to go home. And the reason why we did this, the entire push, I was getting on you about your haircut and all this, was to keep you busy and keep you focused. And he's like, I'll take the disdain so that you guys can get the job done versus you guys doing something stupid, basically. Exactly. And that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't understand. And I do. So I give it its amount of due respect. 
And then there's the fine line, you know, like he ended up being a kid fucker. Like, I mean, I'm still pretty sure somebody's going to cap his ass regardless. Um, yeah, he's, I think he's in an Arizona jail, so he may be dead already. Who knows? Like, that's something you don't fuck around with. You know, as people say there's societal standards. And I go, yeah, there's even standards within prison systems. And that's an interesting conversation of its own. And when you, I don't know, are you, when you're raised in an environment where there's absolutes, right? Um, you're absolutely going to get your ass whooped in prison. You're absolutely going to get your shit handed to you. Um, you're absolutely going to have to be segregated according to your race and or color determined by others. Okay. There isn't a scheme of, uh, appropriate behavior. It's volatile. It's violence. People would say it's the culmination of the breakdown of society. And I go, yet it still has societal functions, uh, demographics. There's, there's bullet points to the science of what's going on in prison. Um, and when you look at the development of for-profit prison systems, there's even a design to get specified demographics into more prisons. So the way we apply laws, right, the, the way we do police, the way we have perceptions of key demographics and or uh, geographic locations, right? Uh, for instance, if I was driving down the road, right, um, I wouldn't stop. Uh, anywhere that I would feel uncomfortable, right? But that feeling of comfort doesn't come from either knowing or not knowing. It comes from uh, a trigger point in this anatomy, right? Telling me, hey, I don't feel comfortable. It could be just like Blair Witch. It could be this this uh, facilitized perception of a drum, dramatic story, even undertones of music that create or a sound that creates a whole fuck feeling. Uh, miss a step while you're coming down the stairs and tell me how you feel. Right. Um, oh yeah, I know that feeling way too good. Right, capturing those emotional states and understanding them is key to seeing how we are being. I don't want to say the word manipulated, but we are to believe or perceive a certain perspective. Uh, in 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 our society, the American people are. In, in when I was growing, our generation was uh, you know proud to be American. Um, it was an, not an honor, but a place in the world where people always wanted to be, you know, this is freedom. This is the, the, the benchmark of, of the democratic experience and experiment and, uh, the Republic that we've constructed utilizing these processes of democracy, um, understanding that, right. And understanding the value of what it means, not having those paths, of. uh, discourse or being able to say hey me no likey yeah right and what uh, i want to go back to your thing about prisons real quick before we get too ahead. far ahead of it so yeah. i my personal belief is we should be our society should be one or two rungs above the ladder of anarchy because at the top of that ladder is total authoritarianism or totalitarianism, however you want to phrase it. Yeah. And people, when they hear that, they're like, you're fucking mad because what happens in anarchy? Well, in a good anarchy, you actually start to develop societies again. So it's like up here, way at the top, 
you gotta, there's a lot of bad shit that has to happen to get back down here. But if you go from here to here, naturally speaking, and prisons are a perfect example of that. You are, when the guards aren't looking, you're in anarchy, but there's a, a self-structuring society that starts to develop. Exactly. And, and that's something that's important to always keep in mind of human beings. You know, uh, we're opportunists, we're violent, and we're animals. At the end of the day, yeah, we can implement all this poetic justice and uh, concepts of ideals or any kind of romanticized beliefs of how things should or should not be, right? But that is, that is a delusionary state, right? We have to be disillusioned in our, oh, excuse me, disillusioned in our actions because we don't want to go down the road like what you're saying of tyrannical, uh, uh, tyrannical rule ever because the the blood that has to be paid in order to get that back is just bad. It's real bad. Um, anarchy is bad. We, but is it right? Like uh, like you're saying, a prison system is pretty anarchical, but is 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 it? Is it in void of societal constructs? No. Um, is there participation? Is there willful learning? Is there distribution of wealth? Is there this? Is there that? Is there even empathy? Yeah, dude. I mean, I've heard of lots of relationships coming out of prison. Okay. And I'm not knocking, you know, homosexuality or uh, even homoeroticism because of confinement. Uh, sailors did this shit back in the day. Christopher Columbus probably not on a few peens on the way over here. Right, like I don't know that. Okay, I was never on a ship. I'm not saying that when 32 or whatever the number or 36, whatever the house, I'm gonna go with 24 because I can't fucking do math. <laughs> 24 sailors go down in the submarine and 12 couples come up. You know, I'm not saying that you know that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that regardless of the circumstances, humanity will shine. Well, okay, and you don't, and you don't even have to go. Hard. To, you don't even have to go to the the sexual end of it. There's you do many, because well, people want to. There, there's many stories of people who met people in prison who are still friends today. Shawshank Redemption was a gay story, and people who don't believe it can say, "Well, you know, Andy and and Red were a couple," and I believe that. Oh yeah, that that yeah, definitely. I could see the the sexual tension in that whole movie. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, same thing with, like, Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris. If you change the music just a little bit, you can create a perspective that is really naughty. Okay? And that's kind of the power of perspective, right? And I go, yeah, but if, if you give in to any which one which way, you're not going to end up understanding the full gestalt of the problem or the picture. You're just going to be in, enveloped into whatever it is you're perceiving. Like the funniest thing I could say, it's like a kaleidoscope. We all know it's one image, right? But as we're looking through the refractory scope, you see an abundance of images, okay? Um, the same way that light works, you know. I, I love reading Isaac Newton's uh, whole optics bullshit. It's pretty intriguing on how the philosophy of physics can be applied to actuality, right? You know, the apple will drop from the tree, but will it? Uh, doesn't matter and then you go into deeper thoughts and deeper functions of physics where it's like is this actually happening like that one dolinger's cat or whoever if i open it 
Doobanger? Schrobanger. I mean, Schrodinger. Damn it. He said Trollbanger. <laughs> so Trolldinger's cat, right? You don't know until you know, and that's kind of the reality of the circumstance, right? But like you said, if anarchical approaches are we behave ourselves with the mutual understanding of I can beat the fuck out of you and you can beat the fuck out of me, society actually behaves a lot better. And or I can shoot you, you can shoot me. Society behaves a lot better. And people go, well, what do you mean? And I go, well, you know, look at the Taliban right now in Afghanistan. They're already stringing peoples up on cranes. Uh, they're already kicking women out of positions. They're already they, they're going back, chopping hands off and heads off. And they're like, yeah. And they go, however, do you think for one moment that living in that society, any one of somebody is going to, in contrast, speak up, misbehave, or do other than? And I go, no, because of that anarchal approach of, of self-preservation within whatever it is you're actually in. I will behave and I will adjust. I will even lie to myself uh, to keep my fucking head on my shoulders. You know what I mean? Um, people will be like, oh, so you're like death to America. I'm like, well, let's be honest, okay? If somebody told you that this bearded fellow is going to overthrow an entire government in a weekend, and then the following two weeks kill a bunch of Marines, and then one more week say, we're cutting people's heads off, this is what we're doing. Are you going to believe them? Yes. Yes, I would. I would believe them right in a heartbeat. If they said, dude, don't shave your beard, I'd be like, okie dokie. They say pray 11 times a day. I'd be like, all right, I need a new rug. You know, and that's exactly what we're facing with the vaccines. I hate to say it. It's the same force, just in a different perspective you can't work for money well that's number one in america i'm sorry i hate to tell you love but money is number one you got enough money well you ain't got you're not gonna you're gonna have problems you're not gonna have a lot of problems and the problems that you do have you can pay to go away uh in, a, in our society it's in contrast to their society because theirs is being well how long's your beard are you a man uh, do you praise allah is are you a fucking infidel you know would you like to fuck a goat i mean i don't know like there's a lot of different scopes to their practice and there's a lot of different paradigms to what i've seen experience wise um and also the way that in any radical group there's radical there's radicals you know, like that's that's just the way it is do i want to spend 20 more years in a region trying to implement something that is not ever going to catch because simply the perspective of that society and they're anchoring to their religious beliefs, uh, their religious ideologies, uh, their fixation on whatever it may be at the time. Like our fixation is on uh, gender equality, uh, uh, societal normatives such as <coughs> reappropriating wealth, these type of things, uh, cancel culture, right? These things can be just as deadly and just as effective as hanging people publicly, okay? Uh, and, I, and I'm not trying to muddy the water. I'm not trying to say that they aren't exactly the same. I'm saying they are exactly the same tactic, slightly different approach. If I can get you to think that I can destroy your life by you not being vaccinated, right, then I can definitely make you get vaccinated. It's, uh, they called it construct constructing 
there's a book on it and it and it develops the entire idea that you will accept it and it comes from you simply because I've cornered you into believing that. Well, we uh we just have a better marketing arm sometimes on certain issues than uh most in the world. And it all comes right back to you're an evil person because you don't like what I like. Exactly. And that's that's usually what it is on each side, every side. So and I, I go, you know what though? I'd much rather be an evil person that doesn't like anybody's anything. Uh and never participate in whatever game we call this simply because I don't want to I don't want to validate my participation in society in the sense of well what we did in Iraq right like with Vietnam veterans and Korean veterans probably feel in certain aspects or uh, World War II veterans that their their dicks are still swinging around you know it's it's a very concept of did i participate in something bad am i morally and uh, principally obligated to feel right uh any which way but due to my participation does that mean that's of me right the identity questions um you know uh for me it's a very difficult time to think of kids and babies and stuff being hurt right now even with covid and people are like well you're a demon you're fucking black-hearted you don't care about babies dying of covid you piece of shit and i'm like well first they don't know that my ptsd doesn't stem from harming adult males or you know uh anybody that's in conflict it's from children being needlessly harmed so in that nobody cares about triggering others they don't really care about you know hearing the the truth of why you don't want children or babies to be vaccinated or uh, treated neglectfully due to their actual circumstances right because there is such a thing as overmedication and overtreatment and that is still neglectful medicine because you're not actually looking at what you need to be doing for the individual and that's how we practice medicine is based off the individual now societally wise right if I were to lay down the same rules as Joe Dick and Harry and Tom Dick and Fucker, right? Regardless of what their circumstances are, the society is exactly the same dictatorial level as what's going on in Afghanistan. It's just not the same actions or results. It's the same equation. You see what I'm saying there? Oh, I got it's it. It's the same equation, but the, the inputs and the outcomes are slightly different. Because let's let's I totally get what you're saying. I think that this also applies to one of one of the treatments that you use for PTSD, which is uh, cannabis. Yeah, I mean, it's still highly, highly disregarded in a lot of places. I think it's looked upon negatively constantly. I got an email from the VA saying that if you do marijuana even once, it can cause psychosis. And I'm like. You know, yes, because the science you're utilizing from X year of 1935, right? That is the determination that those scientists came to. But in the same conversation, the science that was applied was grotesquely manipulated. And when you look at the results and the studies and how they were performed, if you look at the congruency of application of what it was, they were actually burning. 
uh, how the method of what it was they were burning. So all the different details that go into scientific studies were completely disregarded because they needed it to come out this way. Because at the time, they hated the Negro and they hated the Mexican, okay? Because at that time, you were freely allowed to be positioned. And then nobody talks about the Irish too. The Irish were definitely positioned. The Chinese, ever since the beginning of our country, if you go back to the beginning, beginning, it's not just blacks that were voted over here or African-American or Afro-Indigenous, whatever you want to call yourself, right? There was a very large uh, population that included multiple demographics that were utilized as labor and that labor force sought medications and developed medications and they already had a history of medication in their countries and their developed worlds and or underdeveloped worlds defined by other people right um their medications work for them okay chinese history on cultivation of cannabis goes back a lot longer than what most people think indian cultures not like indians like native american but indians like india you know uh, they have a huge culture of cannabis. Afghanistan, since we're bringing it up, huge culture of hashish. Okay, what is hashish? Uh, concentrated cannabis. Okay, Joe, good job. Um, well, isn't there what is it? What was the strain? Hindu Kush. Hindu Kush, bro. I mean, isn't that so like one of the most popular now, strains? Afghani genetics. Um, I follow a dude from Afghanistan on Instagram that grows weed all throughout the world, and they talk about different cultivation styles. Um, the interesting part is the genetics that they have. Uh, not to get carried away with you know a sciencey conversation on cannabis, but the the concept of if you use cannabis, you're our enemy, has been around for a long time. Well, um, so let's talk about what does cannabis do for you with your PTSD. So, much like how everybody thinks SSRIs work or NDAs or NDIAs or whatever the fuck, norepinephrine and inhibitor deductors, work, you know, all the different classification of psychotropic, MOAs. I've literally been on all these different medications from 2010 to 2014, 15, when I was like, look, none of this is working the way that you explained it would. The science is this, and when I look up actual clinical trials and, you know, not just side effects, but what, what sensation am I supposed to feel, right? What alleviation of symptom am I supposed to feel? I need to know because if I'm not on track in my journal, which I do and I did uh, for all my medications, and I even told my sister about this, anybody that you go on, on or off a new medication, period, Document it. Take a journal for well, however long you're taking the medication. It seems like a fucking, you know, a, a bookworm move. But if you or your loved one aren't catching on to the nuances of what this thing may or may not provide you, then there's no way to validate it. Um, That's for me, so there important. Was some, yeah. For me, there was some benefit at the beginning. Like I was sleeping better and I was immediately happy about that on psychotropic medications and NDREIs or whatever the norepinephrine ones is. And then you have the SSRIs, which, you know, again, it helped relax initially, initially. So after about a month, though, the symptoms not only came back double, there was an increase of suicidal ideation and an increased desire of fulfilling that ideation. Um, and it's marked. I have journals and journals and journals on it and increased discussion of this ideation, 
uh, violence. Uh, Effexor was one of the worst drugs I ever took that made me literally almost just like like a pit, like I don't want to say pit bull because everybody's like, I mean, yeah, pit bulls aren't violent. No, think of a violent dog like Cujo then, you know, back in the day, St. Bernard, ooh, uh, just like ralphing out the mouth, really to go. And for months, I didn't understand that that was this medication, right? And then I told my doctors out of embarrassment, you know, hey, this is how I feel. I don't know what's going on. He goes, oh, it could be this because there's a, a thing on that medication that this may cause. Okay. So then trying all the different stuff, and then turning to full-time cannabis use was a decision that came to, it was very hard, not because of, of my personal experience with cannabis, but because of the perspective and the stigmatization of cannabis. So I've already done a few papers on that and even discussed it on the show quite a bit. But when you look at stigmatization in and of itself, it's usually coming from bastardized feeling or a lack of uh, knowledge. It's, it's a very ignorant uh, basis, usually, because one, we don't want to talk about the, the uh, controversy of science. We don't want to talk about the implementation of, of political agendas and or perspectives. And we, we have to demonize something, right? Because why else did Johnny turn to shit and go to prison, right? Well, because of can marijuana, right? Well, it wasn't. It was actually the kid is, you know, this or that or uh, was experiencing this in the home or had an abuse of that or whatever it may have you. But we're allowed to point our fingers at one thing and say that's the reason. And society goes, OK, so if you were black back in the day, right, it used to be, well, this is your role in society. And everybody got to point their finger at you until about 1863 uh, or whenever the Civil War occurred, right? And then even in the late early uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, that perspective of that demographic of individual did not shift. And even into the 1950s, the demographic of those and now they they were segregated at that time. And then they wanted desegregation, right? They wanted implementation. And now in our society today, we're resegregating ourselves simply because of I don't know what. Uh, so when we have that stigmatization of either I'm better off within my own group or you're better off within your own group, the conclusion is still the same. It's segregation, right? There's isolation of self and uh, community. That could be a good thing, right? But it could also be a very, very bad thing. And when we're talking about applying something that has uh, – a routine potential negative stigma like cannabis or marijuana into a, a, a treatment facility, then you have to first combat that perspective, right? So like with cannabis, there's an overwhelming sense of evidence. So I, I like to tie it to COVID um, because there's an overwhelming sense of evidence that COVID vaccines are good, right? Uh, the media would have you believe it. The doctors would have you believe it. The pharmaceutical companies would have you believe it. And yet there's less science applied to that specific vaccine than there is to cannabis research. Um, there's less protocols. There's less stringency. There's less expectation of quality. Okay. Now, mind you, quality and control standards are there for a reason. But when you minimize those standards for a specific thing, you have to ask yourself, is this about science? 
And if I were to do the same thing for cannabis that we're doing now with vaccines, wouldn't I be just as justified if we can minimize 22 suicides a day, right? If we can get 22 to one, because instead of, and this is what it does for me, instead of having the emotional response that I'm to blame and I need to die and all these thoughts that are valid and true in my symptoms and in myself, or um, my wife would be better off, my sons would be better off, you know, these thoughts, these intrusive and abusive self-thoughts, right? I get to now play with them because I have a delayed response to the, the inward stimulus of negative self-talk, right? I go, man, I sound like an asshole. If I were talking this way to anybody else in the world, I would look at them or myself and be like, dude, you're being a dick. Why would I talk so negatively about myself if I would never tolerate that uh, being said to anybody else in this circumstance? That's a trip. <laughs> so it gives you a pause. It doesn't give you much else. I mean, it does help with a little bit of inflammation. It does help with a little bit of, you know, um, the word I'd like to say here is more of a distractive approach. Um, if you were to ask me about the science of the hormonal imbalances, balances, and the chemistry behind it, I would say, well, you know, uh, cannabis of to date is rationalized at 400 different types of compounds. Okay. Um, we know of 32 plus terpene profiles. We know of an entourage effect. We know of a cannabinoid and uh, endocannabinoid system. We understand what THC is relative to. Uh, we understand how it functions within the endocannabinoid system and how it, it triggers certain synaptic responses in your brain. So the electrical, chemical, and physiological response that individuals may or may not have to this drug, right? It's understudied simply because there's so much to study. It's like the stars, my friend. Um, we could look at a galaxy from our far, far away, right? We know that within that galaxy, there's billions of stars, right, potentially. And we also know that within that, there's probably billions of planets. Now, if you were to ask me a specific question, like what people want with cannabis, but also with COVID, how many planets or else, you know, I'm not going to believe you, or how many suns are there, or else I'm not going to believe you, you know, that's where we have to give and take a little on what, are, what is viable in our scientific approaches and what's viable logically. I utilize it because it profound, profoundly provides me that out, outward and inward pause of, is it rational to feel this way? Is it okay for me to feel this way? Is it okay for me to not get assistance when I need it? Well, no, all of those things are bad. You know, when you ask for help and somebody doesn't give it to you and you're saying, look, I'm thinking about, you know, killing myself. Well, why, friend? You know, with that, that shouldn't be the, the response shouldn't be like, oh, OK, that's nice. Bye. That would be a neglectful response on anybody's approach. Right. And more so, we have to understand that people who are thinking that way do not speak outwardly about it for the most part. Uh, they want to be accepted in a society they want to be perceived as societally normative, right? They want to be uh, included in uh, and not ostracized. They, they want to be a part of, not a part to. 
right? Um, so when I talk about cannabis and PTSD, I go, first and foremost, we're talking about two extremely fringe uh, demographics, right? Especially in our society. No, ma no matter how normal cannabis is right now uh, in the world or even in California, there is still a huge disconnection on what it actually is and what it isn't. Um, so for me, why do I choose cannabis is because it gives me that pause and it allows me to utilize my prefrontal cortex. It allows me to calm down in the sense of, hey, there is a lit thing in my hand. It's a physiological response, right? This thing is coming to my mouth. Okay, so much like how that smoker response, they'll be like, ah, it's habit for me. You just want to do this all day. Right? I'm like, no, it's not the same. It's kind of like that because it's a ritualistic behavior. There's a habitual trend that formulates a psychological development for sure. Um, when I sit down to intake medication, I go, all right, I'm leaving whatever that was at the door. And it helps me attempt to compartmentalize. But it doesn't work to 100%. So that's, that's my honest... My honest opinion is not a hundred percent fix. It's not a, a miracle drug. Um, you're not going to take it and go. I'm never going to think of suicide again. You're not going to take it and go. I never. I'm going to have any PTSD ever again because of this. But it's it's sad in the approach that this is what people are being told with these pharmaceutical drugs. Oh, it's going to fix you. Well, the concept of fix is extremely sliding scale. Okay, the determination of PTSD and its impact and its therapies are usually short-term and immediate effect and affect. And we have to implement these therapies within this window or we miss the opportunity of congruency, of connecting actual data points and studies to applicable science and trends of actionable treatment. So like when I went through CBT uh, multiple times, CPT multiple times, I honestly wasn't doing myself any favors because I already had gone through the therapy and it was unsuccessful, all right? So the attempt to redo and redo and redo is nothing more than a antiquated policy by bureaucratics uh, or bureaucratic administrators that have the right to determine, oh, well, if you're not trying hard enough, you're not disabled, or you're not trying hard enough. Uh, if you're not in this specific treatment plan, then there's nothing wrong with you. And I go, well, that's kind of the same, uh, the, the, absolute thinking that we're doing with the vaccine and the same thing with the absolute uh with the ptsd and with the cannabis there's just no open-mindedness like with the studies right now with psilocybin don't even get me started people are actually more acceptive of psilocybin than they are of cannabis in a lot of groups because they don't know what the fuck it is when you say magic mushrooms though then that same stigmatization flares up the same guardedness the uh, that's a drug, right, um, comes out of people. Uh, but when you use fancy words, right, like uh, 5-MeO-DMT, they go, oh, did your doctor prescribe you that? Yeah, sure, Dr. Toad, ha, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's society, that's what we live in, and it's okay, and it's good, because eventually, eventually, right, we get to have conversations like this that either mean something to somebody or don't, uh, either provide something to somebody or it doesn't. Um, the value is what the, per the, the individual perceives, the listener perceives, the viewer perceives. That doesn't indicate what me and you are attempting to do or not. It just indicates what they perceive. 
So it's the same thing as everything else in life. You know, you grow up and uh, people drink beer and you're just absolutely against it. Well, are you against it because your family was murdered by a drunk driver? Yes, that's a valid approach to be against something, right? Was you, are you against it because your dad was abusive when he drank? Yes, that's a valid approach to being against something. Is it valid to project that stigma of violence, uh, negative, or you're going to kill somebody whenever you drink, or you're going to abuse your children because you drink? That projection of fear isn't okay, okay? So if a person does drink, and they're perfectly fine, they manage their uh, the, uh, uh, obligations, they are kind, they're pastor, whatever the fuck it is, society goes, good person, but they drink. Why is there a but they drink? You see my point? Oh, yeah. uh, there isn't a but they drink. It should be they're a good person, and they enjoy beer. Good for them. But it's that latched-on projection of either fear, uh, stigma, and it goes on down the route because when people talk about racism, usually it's unfounded racism based in a fear of something that was either transferred or transcended to the individual when they were uh, uh, being developed as a, a young a young person, right? It could be it could be as young as a baby. Uh, it could be you know as young as a teenager or even as a young man, like twenties and thirties, or a young woman in the circumstance. There's a lot of issues with society and we can't negate the fact that all demographics do all bad things okay uh, there isn't one group of people that do it right 100 percent of the time or else you know uh, hunter biden wouldn't have a video of crack cocaine being smoked and i'm not going to judge him okay because i don't know what it feels like to be a president's son you know a brother uh uh, that died of uh, brain cancer, but was a military, uh, you know, decorated military. I don't know how that would feel, you know. I don't know how it would feel to lose millions of dollars to Ukraine uh, business proposition. I don't know that guy, right? But what I can say is, regardless, I'm not going to judge him for his drug use. I'm going to not even judge him for the way he acts or behaves because I'm not his dad. I'm not his, I'm not obligated to care about this individual. That's the, the wonderful, uh, I think, thing about society is there is no true obligation to give a fuck. You can choose to give a fuck, and then it will immediately be used against you. I agree 100%. And on that note, I think we're going to close this one out. It's been an hour and a half, and I want to re be respectful of your time since I know you have dogs and kids and, and a wife to take care of. Dude, this has been pretty cool. Um, we went down some rabbit holes and I like yeah. rabbit holes. Me too. And it's fun because again, it's like, I, my, my whole thing is if I could bring another perspective in and just be like, you know, I know I'm fucked up and everybody's probably listening to like, man, that guy sounds fucked up and crazy. I'm like, yes, absolutely. But when society is down a hole, don't you want somebody that goes spelunking? And I'm pretty sure people who spelunk are not normal. Their heads are not on right. Okay. You're, you're asking a bunch of people who probably have no idea what the word spelunking means. <laughs> well, and, and you know what? I'm not going to tell them because you should be able to put the two and three together and make a five. You know what I mean? Wait, two and three is five? I thought it was seven. It depends. Are we in 1984? 62. Yes. Exactly. Well, brother, I'm going to stop the recording. Thank you so much for listening. 
and I hope you can follow us on social. Check us out at our website, modernronin.com, on Instagram, The Modern Ronin, on Twitter, at TommyChase01, and you can always support us at modernronin.locals.com. This is our locals group, and it would be great if you guys joined and subscribed. Some great benefits. Talk to you guys soon.